This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio episode 133. I'm your host, Rich, and we are broadcasting live March 29th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. If you want to leave any feedback on our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, we got a lot of stuff to get out of the way. First off, MTR 4.0. Tentative date right now, probably Saturday. If not Sunday, the latest, we're probably going to have um, to put the site in maintenance mode briefly while we test out some of the stuff. Maintenance time may be anywhere from an hour or two, maybe a little longer. Of course, you can stay updated on MyTakeRadio.com. We'll make sure to post before we go down for maintenance. We can also post on our Facebook fan page and on Twitter as well, so be on the lookout for that. Because once the site goes down for maintenance, when it comes back up, MTR 4.0 will be on, will be unleashed upon the masses. It's going to be totally different, fresh coat of paint, cleaner navigation, better layout, more review friendly, and you're going to see a lot more content from all of our awesome staff, including uh, DK, Quark, Blade, Slick, Ben, of course myself, Andrea, and some of the other guest writers that submit content, including our partners from MMA Valor and Unveil as well. With that, we're going to also be making a couple of changes with regards to how certain things on the site are handled. We're going to start doing more featured content that you're going to start seeing regularly. We started this week with Blade and Quark's Buried column, which is going to be a weekly column, burying some of the worst segments or worst wrestlers on Raw, SmackDown, TNA, pay-per-view, whatever's going on that week. And these guys came out of the gate with some some crazy shit burying some people this week. So props to those guys. Blade's going to be joining me later on during the wrestling segment to break down WrestleMania, go through some match picks, have a couple of laughs with regards to that. So we'll be doing that later on this evening. Also... There's going to be some changes for those of you that are getting the show on Stitcher. Please note that there are two feeds for the show on Stitcher for some reason, which we're still working on addressing. Number one, you have one which is marked as the Blog Talk Radio feed. Now, as many of you know, the Blog Talk Radio audio is complete dog shit. So, if you want 
episodes of MTR that are in 96K stereo, along with all the bonus content that we load exclusively for app owners and Stitcher subscribers. Make sure you are following the original My Take Radio Stitcher feed. You'll be able to differentiate the two. Like I said, one will say the Blog Talk Radio feed. Do yourselves a favor, switch to the other feed because I'm noticing a lot of people are listening to the Blog Talk Radio feed and they must think that the show sounds like complete shit. So, please do yourselves a favor, save yourselves that aggravation and use the other feed. Once it gets handled, we won't have to deal with it anymore, but for the time being, it's just a small little bug in the machine. So, be on the lookout for that. Also, we are looking to expand the show onto some other onto some other platforms. Um, one of which we're working on right now is going to be Boxy, and if we get that done, it's going to be um, it's just something I'm really looking forward to. I think that the Boxy offering is going to be one of the better uh, one of the better presentations of the show going forward. I sincerely hope that we are able to get that up and running within the next three to six months, if not sooner. Um, Boxy is a, it's similar to the Roku box and Google TV and Apple TV, except that you're able to plug it in and get access to other video channels besides Netflix and all the typical bullshit. So we're going to plan on getting MTR there. And also, and this is something I'm very hesitant about, but I wanted to share with you guys. I may actually be recording the show in you know video form and posting that on YouTube as well so you can see my my terrible face and um we're going to tr- hopefully be testing that out within the next few weeks this has been based on conversations with a couple of other uh, podcasters and vidcasters that are doing shows and they've kind of been nudging me in the direction of video which I've been doing on MTR TV just really not showing myself in the process but Fuck it. I think we're going to start really jumping into the video stuff. I think we're going to expand not only into more video content review-wise, but maybe some original stuff as well, maybe some 20 questions with certain people. Maybe we'll do some split-screen stuff. It's it's right now kind of up in the air, but we want to have an increased video presence. We're also trying to work on doing some live streaming, which has been an issue for me and I'm sure that a lot of you that do live streaming can understand because it's very resource intensive and I want to be able to offer gameplay and stuff like that and maybe run a channel showing some gameplay but honestly I think it's going to be more along the lines of capturing video to use in our reviews I think that number one the location of where my computer is and the television is very far and I'd have to run wires across the room and all this shit and for those of you that do the live streaming I'm sure you're using HD PVRs with laptops I don't have one I got rid of mine a long time ago so that's going to be an issue the other option we're looking at is using something called the Avermedia game capture box which I can just capture video and then cut it up and put it on YouTube maybe I'll do that with some commentary who the fuck knows at this point but I want to give you guys more video stuff, especially because with regards to video games, we talk about so much stuff, and it just kind of feels like talking and nothing else. There's no substance to that. So we're going to step that up in a couple of weeks as well once we get this 4.0 out of the way. Um, T-shirt designs, mock-ups are done. 
Hopefully, we shall start posting them on the site within the next week or two once this 4.0 launches out of the way. For those of you that are going to PAX East, make sure you stop by the Unveil booth. They're going to be giving away tons of gamer swag, and you're going to have some MTR stuff in there as well, including some flyers and a couple of other things. Hopefully, I can get put together in time for PAX next week. But know that you're going to definitely at least get a flyer breaking down where you can listen to the show, how you can get the apps, and just something catchy. It's not going to be huge and stupid looking like most of the flyers you get. You're just going to get something simple and to the point, which is going to be packed in with some other stuff from Unveil. So be on the lookout for that on in at PAX East that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Steven from Unveil will be calling in Thursday um, from on location in PAX, and he's going to share some stuff with us that's going on while he's there as well. So we're going to get that out of the way next week. Also, what the hell else did I have? I have a so many things to, to tell you guys. Uh, get glue. You know the deal. No stickers. Sucks. Sorry. Uh, please continue to check in. Google Plus. I know a lot of you have been adding us to your circles. Please continue to do so. We're going to try and do more Hangouts like we did a couple of months back during Raw. We're going to step that up. It's kind of hit and miss as to whether I'm going to use my personal Google Plus or the show one because I don't know the capabilities of the brand pages as of yet, but Google Plus is going to be another another bit of uh, new ground for us, so we're going to be doing that as well. MTR Behind the Mic and Beyond the Mic will continue. Uh, the way we're going to do it going forward is, depending on the guests, they will remain app-exclusive anywhere from... Uh, seven days to 30 days, depending on what kind of guest it is. And once that's done, that audio will be released to the general public, including on the site, iTunes, Stitcher, so that people can hear these interviews as well, only because it will allow a bigger audience to get familiar with some of these different people that represent these brands. So we're going to get that rolling in a couple of weeks, as well as the return of the Minority Film Report Slick and I are going to try and get more of those out for you, brief to the point. It's not all going to be shitty uh, B-movies. There's going to be some regular stuff in there as well going forward. The 4.0 launch has been beyond consuming of my time, so hopefully once that's out of the way, we can move forward with more original content. All right, tonight's topics. We're going to talk The Ultimate Fighter. We're going to talk Ultimate Fighter Brazil. We got some MMA news. We're going to talk WrestleMania with Blade when he calls in. We're going to talk Monday Night Raw. We got some wrestling news, gaming news. We got some Ninja Turtle news in your entertainment segment, which you're not going to believe what's going to happen with regards to that. And we got some TV stuff as well. But let's get into this week's monologue because I promise many of you that this week's monologue would be memorable. And rest assured, it is. And I'm sure when Slick gets here i don't know where he is at the moment he will be able to help me explain this further but basically what happened was i had the pleasure yesterday of attending a screen a press screening of wrath of the titans and you know take it for take it for what it's worth uh the review for that will be on mytakeradio.com this weekend so i'm not going to spoil anything about the movie i'm not going to tell you if the movie was good if the movie was bad etc 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 i'm going to talk about the experience in general now 
the beauty of, of, of press screenings, you think, you would think, is that you go with a bunch of peers from different media outlets, whether it's other journalists, other podcasters, other webmasters, but that's not really the case. Depending on where you go for a screening, you're going to have it delivered in a different way. When we went to see Safe House, we got there, we got um, a, we didn't have to wait on a line, we got our packets, we got a complimentary popcorn and a soda, had a seat, watched the movie, and it was a wrap. A couple of annoyances during that particular screening, but whatever, it didn't mar the how awesome the film was when we got there slick was waiting in front of a theater that's located in lincoln center it is a beautiful theater very clean very nice in the city and um when we got there they were doing a screening of mirror mirror with julia roberts which based on the trailers and the posters i feel is going to be a complete festering pile of dog vomit but there were people there to see it. I'm not knocking them. A job's a job. We get there. We ask, hey, you know, we're here to see Wrath of the Titans. What's the deal? They tell us, go around the corner. When we go around the corner, there's another little table, and the guy goes, were you online? And I'm like, no. Slick and I are put on what is the equivalent of the uh, a fucking bread line. I was expecting to be greeted with a bowl of gruel and a piece of bread when we got to the end of it. That's how long this line was. And um, we get there, we get our packet, they send us on our way, and um, we get upstairs, no complimentary soda, no drink, pretty much go fuck yourself. Then it's checking in to basically the Pentagon. You walk in, turn off your cell phones, empty your pockets, open your book bags, then they, they run the wand on you. I didn't know if I was watching a movie or visiting fucking Oz, because that's what it felt like. Open the bag. Oh, is that your iPad? Make sure the shit's turned off. Oh, you got your phone on you. Shut that shit off before you go in there. Okay, cool. We walk in. Theater split up in three sections. You got your center section, which had some red tape, which I didn't know what it was for at the moment. Then you had the other section where they pretty much banished us. So we see uh, some guy with some medium-ass diesel jeans walking around. Figured he was working the room. I asked the dude, Yo, What's the deal with the middle section? Oh, that's, you know, for staff and for friends of the studio and people that won contests and blah, 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 blah. So he asked me where I was from. I told him and who our rep was, you know, fishing. You know the deal. Next thing you know, I tell Slick, I'm like, look, I'm going to get up and get some food because I was starving. So I go to what's the equivalent of a food stamp line. And we get on that line, I get on that line to get popcorn and soda, and, um, yo, a small popcorn, which was no bigger, I kid you not, than probably, what's a good equivalent? Probably no taller than my phone, maybe a little bigger than my phone, and two sodas, two popcorns, two sodas, was twenty two seventy five. Done. Buy the shit, we get back in there. I sit down. Behind us were two chicks and two guys. I don't know where they were. Black, brown, the only race I can equate them to is the annoying kind. So they're yakking and whatever, but it was still like 15 minutes to showtime, so I, I look at Slick and I go, listen, dude, I hope these motherfuckers don't do what I think they're going to do the entire movie. 
Oh, it gets better, my friends. Finally, um, Slick gets up. Little skinny Asian man walks in, decides he wants to sit next to Slick. And um, I don't know what happened, but no sooner did they say that they need to shut off all recording devices, the little Asian man conveniently disappeared. Now, I don't know if it was because he was planning on bootlegging the movie, because clearly it would be impossible because it was 3D, but who knows. But it just seemed really suspect that the dude got up and he broke out. I don't know if it was because the Knicks were playing and he wanted to see Jeremy Lin, but the dude vanished, completely vanished. So Slick and I are there, movie starts, and the fuckers behind us. And I, and if they're Hispanic, they were some loud spicks. Fuck them. Yeah, I said it, because I'm one too. If you are a member of the press, and I kid you not, and you don't know how to conduct yourself in a fucking screening for whatever job, whatever piss-poor, tampon-style website you work for, then stay the fuck home. Do yourselves a favor. Stay home. Do that, please. But no, no sooner did the did the credits roll and the 3D start, that one guy was like, wow, I can see the fire. I really wanted to just roll up my popcorn bag and stab him in the eye repeatedly. Repeatedly, till his eye sockets dripped out of his head. Unfortunately for me, since I actually was there working, I had to conduct myself with some decorum. So we're watching the movie, and they're continuing to provide their soundtrack, and my blood pressure starts boiling more and more, and Slick was hearing some of my terrible commentary. At some point, there was a very noxious odor in the theater, coupled with some snoring. What it turns out was that the culprit was a 300-pound fat guy that looked like Hagrid from Harry Potter. I kid you not, Hagrid was in the fucking theater. Long beard, long-ass coat, huge as shit, sleeping. 15 minutes into the movie, this motherfucker... Sleeping. And of course, since we all heard this festering pile of shit snoring, we all look over. And he was out cold. In front of this fat tub of dog shit was an old man who was probably got the ticket for free. And he's getting annoyed. He kept turning around and turning around. And it's like, dude, the guy's not going to see you turning around because his fat ass is asleep. On top of that, the, 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 the amount of funk coming out of his body, it was, it was, it was awful. So what ends up happening at that point is that we got snoring, smelly Hagrid deluxe. Then we got the nagging fucking brownies behind us, jizz bags that they were. Yak, 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 yak. It got to the point where I turned around like, yo, you motherfuckers are killing me. You're killing me. And Slick, Slick is a fucking saint. As much as, as, as Slick is an ambassador of rage for the show, Slick is a fucking saint. He is a saint. Because had we not been working, had I paid money for that, I would have skull fucked both chicks and stabbed both guys in the face. Period. Seriously, if I would have paid fourteen fifty, or maybe what what what's the twenty two dollars I think it is for IMAX three D, and I would have endured what I fucking endured in there, I swear to you, I swear, it Slick would have bailed me out of fucking jail. It was an embarrassment, an embarrassment that members of the quote unquote press 
conduct themselves like fucking animals. And then Hagrid escapes from fucking Hogwarts, doesn't wash his ball bag, and comes to the theater to sleep and snore. It was unfucking bearable. But I will tell you this. The special effects were awesome. Simple as that. The special effects were awesome. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil anything further about the movie, but fat pieces of shit that go to the movie theater to sleep should be shot on sight. That's how we're going to do it from now on. If you go to the movie theater and you're a member of the quote-unquote press and you are a complete bloody tampon, you will get flushed. I will drag you out and dunk your head in the toilet like Revenge of the Nerds. You are a terrible representatives of what the fuck organization you represent, and you should be shot Gestapo style. It's terrible. It's te- it really is terrible. Other than that, the experience was fun, and with that, I gotta extend my thanks to Aline Miles from Liquid Soul Media for looking out for us, and um, other than you know being cavity searched basically from going into the movie, they were. Uh, they they were nice otherwise, and then we bumped into some other colleagues. Um, Danny from Royal Flush Magazine, who we've interviewed on Beyond the Mic, and uh, Uriah from the show Radio was there as well. We had a couple of laughs about Pax East and why I'm not going, and also about the phoniness of the quote unquote video games industry. You motherfuckers know who you are, you phony pieces of shit. Um, yeah. So basically, we had a lot of laughs about that. And um, that was it. We wrapped it up and headed home. Simple as that. But again, much like I was talking about last week with with people that can't police their kids, you got you to gotta talk about the same thing with just grown-ass adults. If you're walking into a movie theater, please, I beg you, show some decorum. Some. Even if it's a little bit. Because people pay to watch this shit. If you want to make noise and and you want to get get a hand job, go to a porn theater. If you want to watch a movie that you paid $26 for in peace and quiet, then I don't mind you coming into the same theater I'm in. But if you're going to be a complete ass bag, I wish nothing but death upon you. I really do. It's terrible to say. It's probably heartless. Oh my God, Rich is a terrible human being. Yes, the fuck I am. I wear my awfulness on my sleeve. It is my badge of honor. If you are a scum-sucking piece of shit, I will address you as such. Simple as that. We're not here to pull punches. We're not here to make friends. We don't need fucking catchy slogans and, and little fucking sayings to get the show over and to get the website over with the fans. Nearly 2,400 fans have spoken that they actually like the shit we do. Over 1,000 fans on Twitter. 30,000 fans download the show. Let's, let's not play. Let's not play how this works. How this shit works. Simple as that. We're about to break 100,000 website views. You understand what I'm saying? 100,000. We don't need to kiss no ass. None. We don't want your freebies. We don't want your demos. We don't want your bullshit. That's all I'm saying. All right. Let's not fuck around any further. Let's get right into this MMA stuff because there's... Two things of the Ultimate Fighter I want to get into, and frankly, I don't want to beat the show up too much. I just want to get into the fights themselves. Let's make this happen.
right, let's talk about first the Ultimate Fighter um, Team Cruz versus Team Faber. Now, the funny thing about this season, like I said, the live component has been really good. We've been getting some really exciting fights. Uh, basically, the way it works, you get a little background on both fighters, then boom, we get the fight live, wash, rinse, and repeat. This week's fight, Justin Lawrence from Team, Cru- from Team Cruz was facing Cristiano Marcelo from Team Faber. Now, for those of you that don't know, Cristiano Marcelo was a huge favorite going into this show. Simple as, simple as that. He was a huge favorite uh, from Shootbox Academy in Japan. I mean, in Japan, in Brazil, sorry. And um, he really was going to come in, especially after so- some of the stuff we've seen on the web. The guy, the guy really knows how to take care of business. I don't know what happened in this fight. Uh, Justin Lawrence, they ended up going two rounds. First round, there was no glove touch. Little circling, feeling out process. But I don't know what happened, but Justin Lawrence was just putting in work. Work. Some great punch combinations. Marcelo was trying to work some kicks in. He Towards the end of the round, he threw a little bit of a front kick and then an inside leg kick. But Lawrence bull rushed him into the cage with some punch combinations. But Marcelo back, boom, lots of leg kicks. But nothing too crazy. Definitely a 10-9 round with some really good striking, in my opinion. Lawrence definitely took the first round. Second round, touch gloves. They meet in the center. Dudes went in there to put in work. Justin Lawrence, though, out of nowhere, dropped them with a punch that pretty much... It almost looked like Marcelo got shocked more than stunned. But Marcelo stayed on his feet, and Lawrence just, just he went in for the kill, started teeing off, dropped him with an inside leg kick, then an overhand left combination, which was beautiful. Marcelo hits the mat like a sack of potatoes, and Team Cruz is up two fights. It was definitely, definitely a really, really excellent performance by Justin Lawrence against a heavily favored Cristiano Marcelo. Now, with that said, Team Faber's lost two fight two fights already. Marcelo and and Kriukshank have both lost. It was announced that next week it's going to be Miles Jury, Miles Jury, excuse me, and he's going to be taking on Al Iaquinta from New York. That's going to be a good fight. Uh, Iaquinta's coming in as, as a as a huge favorite. Fights out of Wanta, um, goes to the Ray Longo school if I remember correctly as well. And it's going to be real interesting because a lot of momentum on Team Cruz's side. And I think that the live component, the ratings have been hit and miss, but they've been really steady. I think that the problem is that people haven't adjusted to the live format. Not only that, but you also have to adjust to people finding FX. Some people may not have it. Some subscribers haven't started to carry it yet. That's the issue with switching from a network like Spike TV, which pretty much grew based on its MMA presence to a network that's more television-based. You're trying to push FX like it's going to be the the official MMA network. It's going to take some time to cultivate that audience, to get that audience to switch forward. Simple as that. But overall, I'm, I really like the way that they do the live Ultimate Fighter now. It's very, very surprising. You get a little bit more of a human element. They share a little bit of the story. Not too much drama, not too much bullshit and the fights are what matter, because that's what people tune in for. Now, on the other side of the world, we started off with the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, which is not broadcast on television, but you can watch it on the web. Coaches are Vitor Belfort 
and Vandalay Silva, you know that if it's going to be in Brazil, there's going to be some serious violence. And these were the fights pretty much for people to get into the into the house. You had featherweights and middleweights. Um, I'm just going to run through some of the results for some of the fights. Uh, in the featherweight side of things, um, Ronnie Mariano took on Delano Lopez. Uh, Mariano scored with a beautiful TKO off a flying knee. Uh, and then he comboed that right after the flying knee that connected into a right hook that dropped Lopez. A little bit of ground and pound. Beautiful. Um, Francisco Drinaldo, he took on Charles Michael or Charles Michel, however you want to do it. Because these Brazilian names, I always fuck them up. But very, very, very aggressive. It was... It was almost a mauling from Drinaldo. It was insane. Came in super aggressive, dropped Charles Charles Michael real quick, 14 seconds, and it was over. Featherweights, um, Godofredo, wow, this guy's name, Godofredo de Oliveira took on uh, Johnny Goncalves. I'm going to fuck up so many Brazilian names right now. Um, pretty much... Uh, Godofredo secured a victory with a triangle choke in the first round. <sighs> you know what? In reading in reading all my notes, I've realized that I'm going to bludgeon so many of these Brazilian names, so I'm not going to do it to myself. Do yourselves a favor. Just go online. Watch The Ultimate Fighter Brazil for yourselves, and I'll try and recap what I can because I'm just going to bludgeon these guys' names. All I know is that we got our 16 guys for the house and we'll take it from there next week. Let's get into the rest of the MMA news. That way we can jump into the wrestling because there's a lot of that as well. The UFC on FX4 started coming together. That's June 22nd in Atlantic City. Uh, Clay Guida, Gray Maynard is rumored to be the main event. Brian Ebersole, TJ Waldberger, Ricardo Funch is taking on Dan Miller. Rich Antonito's on that card fighting Rick Story. Uh, just confirmed, Nick Catone and Chris Camozzi will be meeting in the Octagon. Luis Ramos, Matt Riddle are also going to be fighting. That's probably going to be one of those cards that's going to go under the radar because people aren't going to think that it's going to be that great and it's going to turn out to be an awesome card. Once again, UFC on FX4, June 22nd. In some UFC on Fuel TV 3 news, Mike Easton was supposed to be facing Yves Jabouin had to withdraw from that fight due to an injury. As such now, Jeff Hoglin will be stepping up to fight Yves Jabouin. Hoglin, who was going to face Henan Barrao, will now fight Ivan Menjavar. And the rumor is right now that the fight between Barrao and Menjavar will be a number one contender's fight. We'll see if that goes down. On some HDNet news, Ron Kruk announced that Anthony Rumble Johnson will be debuting in Titan Fighting Championships 22 against David Branch. That's going to be happening and debuting on HDNet at some point in May. Right now, they're saying that it's probably going to be May 25th in Kansas City. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Johnson fight Branch only because maybe Johnson, he'll get past these weight-cutting issues and make his way back into the UFC. Also announced earlier this earlier this week, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen, two 100% official main event for UFC 147 in Rio, in Brazil. 80,000 80, fans soccer stadium will be home to UFC 147 
If Chael Sonnen wins, there will more than likely be a riot, and he will have to fight off everybody, much like Lord of the Rings, where they fought the orcs that were storming the castle. That's going to be Chael Sonnen fighting Brazilians. Also on that card will be the finale of the Ultimate Fighter Brazil with the middleweights and featherweights, and also the fight between the coaches, Vanderlei Silva and Vitor Belfort. So be on the lookout for that. We talked about King Mo. We know that he was battling a really bad staff infection and was awaiting a verdict with regards to his suspension from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. As of right now, they have fined and suspended King Mo for failing the drug test during the Rockhold Jardine card. He is going to be suspended for nine months from the date of the fight. He's been fined 30% of an $80,000 show purse, and he must surrender his $15,000 win bonus. Not only that, but add insult to injury, his victory over Lorenz Larkin has been changed to a no contest. Upon his return, he must provide a clean drug test when he reapplies for his fight license in Nevada. King Mo appeared to have tested positive for the drug test due to an over-the-counter supplement called S-Mass Lean Gainer, which is what caused him to test positive for the steroid Drostanolone. In addition to that, the UFC announced that King Mo was cut from his Strike Force contract. So it's definitely a bad time for King Mo. I wish him the best. Like anything else, and I wanted to get into this a little bit, the supplement, inter- the, the supplement industry is very, very suspect. And I'll tell you why. A lot of times, you go to your local GNC, your local vitamin shop, you buy something. Nobody really researches the components of some of these things. And a lot of times, certain certain supplements are banned in collegiate sports or professional sports. And this is one of those, instance, the, one of those instances. But one glaring, glaring issue has been the fact that King Mo did not acknowledge what supplements he was taking when he filled out his pre-fight medical questionnaire. He was supposed to disclose supplement usage and injuries leading into the fight, which he did not do. So, based on that, that actually weighed heavily with the commission's decision on punishing him, which is unfortunate. I feel bad just because he's really been dealt a shitty hand between piss and hot, and in addition to that, the, the, the terrible staff infection he's been fighting. Now he's been cut from strike force. The only thing I can see from this is him possibly being re-signed as a UFC fighter. Possibly. But at this point, his future's up in the air. I wish King Mo the best. He's I'm actually a big fan of his of his fighting style. He's very fun to watch, very aggressive. Not only that, but he's just a great persona, carries himself, uh borrows a lot of influences from professional wrestling. So he's he's very exciting and it's unfortunate to see his career go this go this route. A couple of weeks back, I talked about Alistair Overeem mushing a chick in a club. Turns out that he is actually going to be held accountable for it. Turns out he has been sentenced to 50 hours of community service and has been ordered to have anger management counseling for the single count of misdemeanor battery from the Las Vegas club incident that happened New Year's weekend. He avoid, you know, he he almost had a 90-day jail sentence, but instead they worked it out where this is what's going to happen. Basically, he mushed a chick at a Las Vegas club January 2nd um, at the Win Las Vegas, and 
pretty much he has to also do counseling, which is going to be called impulse control counseling. Once he completes the community service and counseling within 90 days, the battery charge will be dropped. Now, here are a couple of things I want to talk about. If you're as huge as Alistair Overeem, and, and you know, you know that you are a professional fighter. Wherever you go, you should have fucking security with you. And that's what ended up happening. He was at a club. There was security there. They He said, yo, I got to go to the bathroom. They were like, oh, we'll go with you. He's like, no, man, you know, fucking UFC fighter. It's okay. He goes, this chick accosted him, and he just mushed, mushed the chick in the face. He didn't punch her in the face because he probably would have knocked her brain into another dimension. But, you know, he he, like, he was just pretty much like, come on, chick, get out the way. And he mushed her. It, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying that what he did was right or wrong, but when you're in, in this situation, whether you're any kind of professional athlete, everybody wants to get fucking paid. Everybody wants to get paid. If you're a professional basketball player and, and, you, have, and you have sex with, with a groupie, don't leave your condom in the trash because all of a sudden it'll be like, oh, he raped her. Don't do no dumb shit. It, seriously. It's, it's absurd. It's, it's, it's silly to say, but if you are a professional athlete and you're out there doing dumb shit and you get bagged for dumb shit, you did it to yourself. Because there's plenty of opportunities for you to handle your business and not get into any shit. In Overeem's case, have the security come with you, even if they got to stand outside. Saves you the aggravation. Now you got to do community service. You got to pay a $1,000 fine. So this chick still gets some kind of money. And she could turn around, even though you did everything that you legally needed to do, and say that she can sue you for emotional distress. She could sue you because her jaw was quote-unquote fractured. Who knows the kind of shit that people do, but these are the kind of ambulance-chasing motherfuckers that are out there that want to get paid, especially when you're famous. So, there you have it. Overeem's not going to jail. His fight with Dos Santos is perfectly safe, but... Definitely a, a lesson for him. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was something that happened with um, King Mo, which I can understand his frustration, and I'm sure this led partially to his release, and that was because the Nevada State Athletic Commission, um, one of the ladies on the commission, the commissioner, Pat Lundvall, asked him if he read and understood English in regards to a pre-fight questionnaire that required LaWall to disclose any medications he had taken before the fight. King Mo took to Twitter to address that and said that uh, Pat Lundvall was a racist bitch asking me if I can read or speak English. Go on somewhere with that shit. He later went on to tweet that he felt that the question was racist due to his past experiences. He elaborated on that further by saying it's funny how people are trying to say that I'm calling the commission racist. No, they aren't. But there was one person on the panel that was out of line with the question she asked me. I found it insulting, prejudiced, and a little racist. And I say racist based on my past experiences. As previously, I've been asked that, and usually it's as an insult. MMA Junkie shared that commentary, and you know what? He has a right to be mad about that, because... When somebody asks you that, it's with the implication of calling you stupid. I don't really want to say it was more leaning on race, racial, but it was more on calling you stupid. King Mo basically didn't answer the question. Are you taking any supplements? 
fuck, what should I say? Eh, maybe that protein shit isn't really a supplement. It's just protein. Let me not put it down. That There's so many ways that that can be interpreted, but I can understand him feeling the way he did. It's a fucked up situation, adding insult to injury now that he is no longer in strike force and is suspended and he has to pay some money and his fight was a no contest. So, again, tough break for King Mo. Jake Shields is moving up to middleweight, no longer fighting at welterweight. They announced that this past Tuesday on UFC Tonight on Fuel TV. Uh, Jake Shields has been fighting at welterweight for his last four fights. He'll be back in the octagon this August. No idea who his opponent is going to be. But um, he was 2-2 two and two in the welterweight division, so we're going to see if he could do some damage at middleweight. I expect good things, but we shall see what happens. The UFC also confirmed earlier this week that they will be having the flyweight rematch between Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and Ian Uncle Creepy McCall. Yes, I kid you not, his nickname, Uncle Creepy. Anyway, they will be fighting at UFC on FX3, along with Scott Jorgensen and Eddie Wineland, Dustin Pegg and Jared Papazian, uh, Mike Pierce and Carlos Eduardo Roca have not been announced, but are rumored to fight on that card, as is Josh Neer and Mike Pyle as well. Dana White also has been busy promoting some other stuff this week. When at, He was recently asked about what's going to happen with the winner of the Strikeforce Heavyweight Grand Prix, and he said that at this moment he doesn't know. He goes, we could bring somebody else in. There's probably another heavyweight. I honestly don't know how to answer that question, but let's get the tournament done first. Of course, like I said a couple of weeks back, UFC has pretty much absorbed Strikeforce's heavyweight division. So Josh Barnett and Daniel Cormier will be meeting for the Grand Prix Finals May 19th. Both those guys will be next stepping into the octagon for the UFC and hopefully at some point into some title contention. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about Dana White was been has been super active talking about suing people that stream fights. And I can understand his frustration because people complain about fighters not getting enough money and fighters not getting paid what they should be getting paid. Well, let's be honest. Fighter salaries are built off of revenue. If you don't pay for the pay-per-view, the company's not making revenue. If the company's not making revenue, they can't pay their fucking fighters, you goddamn idiots. Y'all are fucking stupid. I saw at least 10 people on Twitter when he was mentioning this. Yeah, man, but if they put together shitty cards, why should I pay for it? Then don't pay for the fucking card, you stupid assholes. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. If you don't want to watch the card, then don't take money out of these fighters' pockets by streaming the shit. Seriously. It's fucked up. You don't want to watch the card, don't watch it, but then don't try and pirate the shit either. Because what's going to happen is the UFC is really going to go after motherfuckers even harder than they are already. Right now they've been going after bars and certain streaming websites, but pretty soon they're going to try and get their hands on you, the little guy. Simple as that. And, you know, I feel bad because it's happened. We, we've all done it at some stage, streamed a, a, a pay-per-view or streamed an event, and I understand that. But let's be real. The same guys that bitch about fighters not getting paid and those same guys streaming fights, you guys are hurting the fighters. You fucks. 
Not the asshole that streams it once and never gives a fuck about MMA ever again, but about the guys who are vocal, the armchair fucking pundits that sit there and complain, oh, you know, these guys aren't getting paid, or, you know, there should be better benefits for the fighters. How's there going to be better benefits, you stupid assholes, if the company can't make money to pay them? Seriously. Especially guys that have pay-per-view incentives in their contracts. Guys like GSP and some of those, Brock Lesnar, those guys, I'm sure they had sweetheart deals where they could get money based on pay-per-view sales. And you're fucking those guys up. It's it's absurd. And then Dana White, he was, he was ridiculous in the way he put it out there, but I'm just going to read you this excerpt. He, went, he said the following, there isn't a sports organization that's more fan-friendly than we are. We try to do as much as we can for the fans. Then you've got these guys out there saying that they think it's okay to steal our shit on the internet. Fuck you. It's not okay. Yes, I'm coming after you. Yes, we will fucking sue you. And if you steal our shit, we're going to get you. We might not get you now or next month, but eventually we will. And we're spending a lot of money toward busting people who steal. He went on to say, I respond to people every day on Twitter like, fuck you, you criminal. Yeah, we're coming after you. Oh, boo-hoo, you're coming after the fans. Yeah, you're fucking stealing. I can't argue with that. I can't. I can't. He's right. They asked, um, a couple of people have been asking if the UFC is going to put together a subscription package like the NFL Sunday ticket, which actually would be a fantastic idea. I think that doing it that way, you pay a set fee to your cable provider, you get all the UFC cards, and you're done. Honestly, I would do it, and the cards that are garbage, you know, whatever. You take, you win some, you lose some. There might be some good fights on there, they might not. He did elaborate on that a little bit, and he said, um, we just did a deal where you could buy a package of fights. We've been working on that for a long time. What's funny is, fans go, you should do this, you should do that. I'd love to do a deal where we set it up and people can buy the package like the NFL. We've got to get this deal done. It's not like we just go, hey, guess what, DirecTV, we have this great idea. You've got to get these things done. And it's true. Honestly, if they did a ticket like that, I would definitely buy it. Definitely. I think it would be a a better way to do it to get people to invest more into the sport. That way you got all your fights. Nobody's going to pirate anything. Nobody's going to stream anything. You buy the ticket, and that's it. Fuck it. I'd do it. Last bit of news to close out the MMA segment for this week. The UFC has revealed the full card for UFC 146 heavyweights. That will be happening May 26th at the Las Vegas MGM, MGM excuse me, Grand Garden Arena. Main event, of course, on pay-per-view. Uh, prelims will probably be on FX, or more than likely FX, and probably Facebook. On the main card... Your main event, Junior Dos Santos, Alistair Overeem for the heavyweight title. Co-main event, Frank Mir, Cain Velasquez, which is going to be sick. Roy Nelson is taking on Bigfoot Silva. Shane Del Rosario is taking on the returning Gabriel Gonzaga. Mark Hunt taking on Stefan Struve. On the prelims, you got Diego Brandao, Darren Elkins. Edson Barbosa is meeting Evan Dunham. CB Dalloway is facing Jason Mayhem Miller, which, of course, I'm sure this is probably going to end up on FX, those three fights. Jacob Volkman is going to be fighting. Dan Hardy is going to be fighting. Mike Brown is also going to be fighting. There you have it, folks. I'm going to take a quick commercial break because I am fucking thirsty. And when I get back, 
John Blade is going to be happy because I am going to crack open a nice can of Pepsi. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, even though they don't pay the bills, I am going to drink a Pepsi 60 calorie. Check out this commercial break. I'll be right back. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw first. This is the final Raw before WrestleMania. Right after this, I'll be bringing on Blade to discuss the WrestleMania picks that him and Quark have come up with. You can check out their buried column on MyTakeRadio.com. It's doing very well. Make sure to comment on it. Let these guys know what you let them know what you like, what you dislike. If you think they're full of shit, they're gonna hear it. They're gonna respond to it. They may tell you to go fuck yourself. They may pee in front of your door. Who knows? But I'm sure they'd love the feedback. Let's get right into Monday Night Raw for this week. We got the face-off with Rock and Cena, which we know was going to happen. It's in full-on hype mode. First match of the night, Randy Orton, Sheamus taking on Kane, and Daniel Bryan, of course, AJ Lee was at ringside. Nice little uh, sneak attack. From Kane to Chokeslam Sheamus, Brian gets the pin, one, two, three. They don't, of course, the big motivator was not wanting to blow their load on this match. Very quick and to the point. Decent offense from all four competitors, but nothing too crazy to, to establish anything that would ruin the integrity of WrestleMania. Makes perfect sense. Then we get some stupid lame-o segment with fucking Johnny Ace, because he's an asshole. And Vicky Guerrero is a flag waver and some shit. Ugh, terrible fucking segment. Hornswoggle, this shit got buried by Quark, and with good reason, because it was a shitty, shitty fucking segment. Whoever wrote that should be drawn and quartered in a fucking public forum, because he is an asshole. Who co-signed to that shit? And I swear, if it was Vince, we coming for you, Vince. We coming for you. All right. David Brotunga, Santino Morella is exactly what you would expect leading into WrestleMania. Otunga's been looking strong going into Mania. Santino gets the victory this week. Odds are, you know, Team Laurinaitis is going to win. This is always a good indicator as such. Um, Miz comes out, kills Santino dead. Um, Of course, now, what happens? Boom, the Miz is on your... WrestleMania team just because he came out and killed Santino dead. Total fucking bullshit, but that's the way it went. 
Eve with Beth Phoenix took on Kelly Kelly. At that point was when I decided to get up and go make myself a sandwich because this match we have seen one million times already. CM Punk took on Christian Cage, of course. Chris Jericho decides, I'm going to cut a little promo. And yes, I called Christian by his TNA name. Don't judge me, people. Don't judge me. CM Punk is there. Y2J comes out. Makes fun of Punk's family as usual. Calling them druggies. Calling them assholes. You know, the usual. Finally, he closes it out by saying that CM Punk is a bastard. Just because CM Punk's birth certificate... um, did not match the date that his parents got married. They got married after CM Punk was born, so make CM Punk a bastard. Ooh, using the big curse words. CM Punk goes crazy, kills Christian Cage dead. Christian is out of WrestleMania, not because CM Punk whooped his ass people, but because his ankle had not healed up. Let's talk about the other buried participant this week, Kurt Hawkins, who took on the almighty jiggling Funkasaurus Brodus Clay and proceeded to get his ass whooped as usual. These squash matches are getting really fucking old. Brodus Clay needs some kind of a feud. I don't give a fuck what it is. Make him feud with Mark Henry. Make him feud with John Laurinaitis. Anything. Anything but squash matches every week. Of course, they did a squash match with the Big Show. He doesn't need them at this point, but he decided, hey, I'm going to kill Primo dead. That's what happened. The other half of the Goya brothers was there, as was Rosa, and Primo was the sacrificial lamb. Yes, ladies and gents, the Big Show squash matches. He's been there like 30 years. He doesn't need him. Mark Henry took on the great Kali in what was pretty much a complete piece of garbage. Christian, since he is injured, was replaced by Drew McIntyre. I smell the ratings, people. I smell them. And of course... The main event promo, blah, 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 I hate you, you suck, I'm awesome, know your role, shut your mouth, smell what the rock is cooking, boots for masses, trending, poops for masses, fuck this segment. All right, folks, that's it. Nothing happened. Not a fucking thing. Sorry. The shit didn't happen. It didn't. All it was was, I hate you, you hate me, we're all with one big happy family, I'm a fucking Fruity Pebble, you're a jacked up Samoan, you're probably going to unscrew my head like a fucking Coke bottle and drink my guts all in front of your hometown in Miami to send people home happy. I will be your sacrificial lamb, Rocky. That's pretty much how it was. It was, without a doubt, one of the most boring promos ever. And and people are going to say, man, Rich, you know, did you expect way too much, blah, 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 no. I don't expect too much. I expect that the final the final raw before a fucking pay-per-view, some boots hit some asses. Somebody gets fucking caught with an attitude adjustment. I don't give a fuck what it is. Some sort of physicality. Because not for nothing, in the real world, in the real world, if you get that close to me face-to-face to talk some shit, somebody's getting their ass whooped. I may get my ass beat, but I am hitting you with the closest heavy object I can find. Seriously. The, the, the level of, of booking for this has been very, very lackluster. CM, uh, CM Punk and Jericho have better chemistry than Punk, I mean, than Cena and Rock for some reason. 
Jericho comes out, insults Punk's family. Punk comes out, cuts awesome promos. Rock comes out, opens up that 1998 promo book, and hits us with all those hits that we've all come to expect. It's embarrassing. I just I just didn't feel that it sold me on the pay-per-view the way it should have. But you know what? Let's see what Blade has to say. I know that he's going to have some shit to add, so I'm going to bring him on. Blade, are you there? I am here. All right. So, the final, the final Raw before WrestleMania, did that Raw make you motivated to order a pay-per-view? If I'm motivated, you mean put me half to sleep so I couldn't finish it, then yes, absolutely. I was, I was dumbfounded. But, it, go ahead. It was like the Raw before. It was formulaic. I was, I was embarrassed at the fact that they didn't have any kind of rock bottom attitude adjustment. You know, you know that always that raw before the big pay per view, somebody catches somebody with something, nothing. We're just yeah, gonna I mean, catch you with promos. The exact same promos. At least someone got hit. There you go. So it just, it just seems to, as time goes on, it just seems to be becoming less and less interesting. Well, let's get into this WrestleMania card because. If the Raw wasn't interesting, let's at least see if these picks can be interesting. Um, let's start with this Divas match. Um, Maria Menounos was another buried candidate with her broke-ass rib coming in with Kelly Kelly in a tag team match against Beth Phoenix, which pretty much three Divas put together to form Divatron and Eve Torres. So, what do you got? I personally can't stand Eve Torres. The fact that she's even in WrestleMania is... Why, why, why are you sounding like you're calling me from Bin Laden's fucking hiding place? Uh, I don't know. All right, there you go. Adjust yourself so you can speak clearly. Okay, I can hear you now. I can hear you, and you still sound like Johnny Five from Short Circuit. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, like I said, I don't like E Torres at all. So. Uh, I'm going against her out of spite. That's pretty much my only logical explanation for that. Well, you know what I think is going to happen? They're going to kiss Maria Menounos' ass because pretty much there's been a lot of speculation that a lot of the uh, backstage uh, talent think that Maria Menounos is better looking than almost all of the divas on the roster. Now, if you're comparing her to, say, I don't know, the Bella Twins, then yes, but you know what looks better than the Bella Twins too? A cat's vagina. Yes. That's that, what the Bella Twins aren't in that match. They are. And I see Quark saying, fuck you. The Bella Twins are awful. The only thing that sells them two chicks are that they are twins. They are ugly. They look like fucking Who's from fucking Whoville. Get out of here. Quark should have called in to defend their precious honor. Them bitches are trash. You're entitled to like them, Quark, and that's on you. But them bitches are garbage. You hear me? Garbage. You're garbage, kid. You're garbage. Moving on. Let's talk about this tag team clusterfuck. (laughs) David Brotunga, Dolph Ziggler, Jack Swagger, Mark Henry, The Miz, and Drew McIntyre. Taking on Santino Morella, Great Khali, Zack Ryder, Kofi Kingston, R-Truth, and Booker T. So basically you got 
an Italian, an Indian, a broski, and the black pack. So let's hear it. Andrew said that he did. Hold on. Let me let me do, retract my statement. Andrew was giving shit to Slick in the chat. So uh, my apologies for shitting on you, Andrew. My apologies. All right. Let's talk about this match with the with the with the Guido, the Seven Eleven worker, the Broski, and the Black Pack. What do you got? No fun to draw. They're not going to fire Teddy Long or John Lawrence at all. They're going to find some way to get themselves out of this, but there's no. Uh, I don't see any like defined winner. I think and this is. I think. And, go ahead. And just have to pick uh, Team Teddy. He gave no explanation behind it. I think it's good to fly. I think what's going to happen is Laurinaitis's team is going to win. Teddy Long is going to become his assistant, and that's going to be it. That way, you got some built-in bullshit between both those guys, and everybody goes home happy. And I have a feeling that the guy that'll probably get the pinfall to get over in this match will probably be Ziggler. Um, I'm, 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 I think they will come to say that uh, I want to bring in the I think that's that's the only way that they're going to get these guys over. Um, I know that you were saying that you had Quark's picks. Yes, I do. Who did uh who did Quark pick for this match? Team Teddy Long. He picked Team Teddy Long Quark. Yes. Huh, John, you appear to be echoing yet again. As per the chat. How about now? Better? I don't know, is it? Now you sound a little better. I don't know if it's him or if it's me or if it's Blog Talk Radio. I don't fucking know at this point. But what Quark picked Team Teddy. Did he tell you why he picked Team Teddy or was he just being Quark? He was just being Quark. Gotcha. All right. Your favorite, Randy Orton taking on Kane. Uh, Randy Orton. Wait, yeah, right, yeah, of course it's going to be Randy Orton. What are they going to do? Why would they have Kane win this match to redeem <laughs> his, his, uh, his, one, his one good heel moment and then shake hands Randy Orton again and start the whole thing over? The fact that they even had this match was weird because I had no way to follow what was going on. Well, basically... Like, right, I shook your hand. I guess that means I can't be a bad guy anymore. It's not to regain my evil by beating you up at WrestleMania. Well, you know what's funny? It's like... It's like, hello, I hate you, chokeslam. Hello, I hate you too, RKO. Hello, let's fight at WrestleMania, chokeslam. I accept, RKO, WrestleMania. It, it, come on, man. It's like, let, let's take wads of toilet paper, throw them at the ceiling, and see, and see how many stick. That is what this match is. One piece of toilet paper had Randy Orton, one piece of toilet paper had Kane, and... They stuck together, so there you have it. Yeah, it's really, I guess it's really just still Randy Orton's a big name. I guess they decided, oh, yeah, we need Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Who's not doing nothing? Kane just got decimated by John Cena, so why not just put him in there? And they searched their archives and found that one clip, and they're like, we got gold here. All right, Cody Rhodes, IC belt against the Big Slow. <laughs> I think uh, for me, I think it's going to be the Big Show pin because they brought up the fact that Big Show's number one. If they want to drop that up, I probably will win with Cody Rhodes. But 
Well, what did Quark pick for uh for this match? Uh, he also the big show. Wow, both of you picked the big show. I'm surprised. I would have gone with Cody Rhodes only because he's been the longest reigning IC champ and you want to kind of keep that streak together. Well, that is true. But, you know, we're... we're, Well, here's... um. Daniel Bryan, Sheamus. He didn't even pick a winner because we both pretty much forgot that that match was happening. Seems like there was no build-up for it whatsoever. Like, okay, Sheamus won WrestleMania. Just with you won the Royal Rumble. Just with WrestleMania, no fighting and blah blah blah. Like, I, I, every time I watch the fight, I found myself reminding myself, oh yeah, they're fighting at WrestleMania. Well, I know Sheamus is going to win because Sheamus is Triple H's boy and Sheamus is going to get his WrestleMania moment. Did Quark also pick? He Sha- didn't give a pick. He forgot, he forgot they were fighting. Holy shit. That's fucked up. That's how relevant this match is. I mean, it's a world heavyweight title match, but you have zero buildup because of it. Quark gets a gold star for that. Quark, if you are still in the chat, good sir, you are the fucking man. I didn't pick this match because I totally forgot the fuck about it. Yes. All right. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, I mean, The Undertaker. And uh, Triple H with Shawn Michaels as your guest referee. Uh, I pick, I pick uh, wow, The Undertaker purely because I'm invested in the streak. I want to see him do one match and then leave, never to be heard from again. I would, if that happens, I would, I would be happy. Who did Quark pick? Once again, no pick. No pick for this match? He's slacking. Wow. I picked The Undertaker purely because he's never going to lose. I think that when he does lose, he'll just turn into a pillar of salt and get blown <laughs> away. That's what's going to happen. He's just going to turn to dust and shit like Mumra. Man, I could just get Paul Bearer come out. I was like, all right, your time's done. Let's roll. They just rolled out. They just ride out on a motorcycle. It'd be nice. Be a nice way to finish WrestleMania. A lot of people are saying that Shawn Michaels is going to cause shenanigans which is going to allow The Undertaker to win, and then that will set up Triple H and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 29. I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised. They always have like, uh, an underlying thing where Shawn Michaels and Triple H are known for backstabbing each other, so that really comes as no surprise that we're happening. They're going to have a hairline on a pole match. The winner gets a full hairline. That is awful. <laughs> Yo, those those fucking guys. It's like we've seen Shawn Michaels and Triple H kill each other. What what's the what's different from them killing each other on a Monday versus killing each other on a Sunday? You know what I mean? Like that's a match we've seen 17 different ways and people make it seem like, "Oh yeah, it's going to be fresh." It's like when the Undertaker fought Triple H like three like four WrestleManias back and they conveniently swept that under the rug. It's like, yo, he's basically whooped Triple H's ass three times. Three. You mean to tell me you couldn't you couldn't dig up somebody? I think The Undertaker versus Zombie Chris Benoit at WrestleMania next year is the way to go. Zombie Chris Benoit comes in, 
the only way he's going to win that match is by shooting him in the fucking head. Maybe you have the kid from The Walking Dead as the referee. Fuck it. Let's go all out. <laughs> yeah, I think I uh, it's 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 really sickening. Let's CM Punk, Chris Jericho, which I feel will be the show stealer of the evening. My people still Jericho personally. Jericho was the was the original best in the world. I I've been a Jericho fan longer than Sam Punk, I guess I could say. Most of my picks are based off of popularity and not off of logic. But um, I see, I like Chris Jericho for this match. But if either way, whoever wins is going to be a great match. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a clinic, dude. They're going to steal the show for this match. For one thing, Andrew disagreed. He actually picked CM Punk for this fight. Wow. You know what was funny? I was thinking CM Punk till about two weeks ago, only because Chris Jericho. Yeah, like like you know, Chris Jericho. <laughs> well, not only that, but Chris Jericho is coming into this and you know they probably it's like he re-signed with the company for this match and he's probably going to hang out a little bit but it, you know I thought alright since he's only hanging out for a little bit they'll give Punk the be- Punk will retain and Jericho will just hang out for a little bit then go and tour with Fozzie and that'll be it so it doesn't make sense to put the belt on him but as the day as the weeks have gone on I've said to myself you know they may just do it and put the belt on him um. Well, you know, the the personal elements I some I just feel that sometimes when they get too personal it just it doesn't feel real because if somebody said the shit that was said in that promo to you in the real world They'd, they'd get an ass whooping. So it's like, you know, I pretty much said that your sister sucks dick for money. But, you know, that's cool. I'll wait till two weeks from today to whoop your ass. No, I am catching you in the parking lot and beating you with a fucking shoe. Like, that's the kind of shit I don't get. Like, like wrestling, you know, I understand it's sports entertainment. But, but think about that just logically. I called your dad a drunk. I called your sister a crack whore. I called your mom. I called you a bastard. Why? Why are we not fighting? Why are you not whooping my ass in the parking lot? Why are you not trying to hit me with a shovel? I think that's just something they don't take into account. They just try to sell it as best they can. When he did the promo and he's like, you know, you know how people are when they're addicts. They'll do anything for a fix. He, it was like, yo, you just said homeboy's sister will suck dick for money. That's what you said without really saying it. Holy shit, Chris Jericho, you are promo Jesus. I worship you. But, you know, that, that's not the way it went down. And, of course, the big one, Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, the People's Champion, the Brahma Bull, the Eyebrow, Master of the Strudel, whatever the fuck he wants to call himself this week, taking on... Mr. Fruity Pebble himself, Brew Baker, John Cena. No, I don't know, it's, it's, this is going to be a lot. They're not going to have him come back and then lose. 
And you, I know for a fact, you know, I understand on a group that it's going to be the rock home win, that they don't be all right, I lost in a bet, blah, 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 and that's the end of it. Well, here's, here's, a, here's something very interesting. They were saying that the match would end with a some kind of with some type of a screwy finish to set up a rematch for next year. Do you think that's valid? I think that's something they would do, honestly. Because I think do I prove it? Absolutely not. But it was I. I have no trouble seeing them doing that. Because you're in Miami, you have you're in the Rock's backyard. You can't let him lose clean. It's not, not gonna all. happen. But then again, John Cena is the guy who's going to stay here after The Rock bounces to do, you know, Fast and Furious 15 and shit. So, you know, you don't want to shit on your guy either. So it has to end in shenanigans just because of the way it's being written. But if you put it that way, they're going to have to continue this on and on forever because they're always going to find an excuse to keep it going on. I mean, you're gonna, it's going to have to end, but if they keep using that logic, it's going to be going... Every WrestleMania to WrestleMania 50 when they're both in wheelchairs. That's it. We're going to have ourselves a wheelchair match. We'll race down the ramp. Whoever doesn't fall wins. Teddy! Teddy! (laughs) The Rock is going to fight John Cena in a wheelchair match. JR is going to call it from his coma. Come on, man. I I can't. Andrew says John Cena will win by DQ. I can see that because The Miz has been doing a lot of shit post-match after every Raw. Talking about how he's going to get on WrestleMania and The Rock is whooping his ass every week. So, Isn't he part of Team Johnny? There you go. Asking each other to see you. You never know. I think think it's definitely going to be shenanigans, but since you're here... We're going to wrap up the wrestling segment, and um, I got a piece of news that I definitely would have wished Quark was here for, but I'm sure you'll be able to elaborate for him, so stick around for this. I was going to say, uh, ever since the point of WrestleMania was on April Fool's Day, I've been calling the midget match ever since then, so it's still expecting to see that. Quark says that Cena, that he said that no one would win. Well, no, I think I think if somebody comes out and whoops both their asses, it'll probably be a no contest, which I'm actually going to talk about that in a few minutes, but stick around. For the, it, We were joking about Husky Harris and how he was in fucking the Nexus and he was fat and all this shit. Supposedly he got a new gimmick in FCW. His new character is Levy Wyatt. And he's a religious zealot. Supposedly, he comes to the ring wearing a straw hat and a Hawaiian shirt. The word is that Harris is back on WWE's radar and could return to the main roster soon. As soon as he returns, I expect him to be fucking buried. By Brodus Clay, obviously. There's your feud. There you go. Husky Harris and Brodus Clay. Feuding, you're just gonna—it's—it's it's gonna look like—it's gonna look like two balls of jello fighting each other in a bowl. Well, yes. well, I'm like I like what Slick said. Slick said somebody should call both day mamas. Yes. Uh, this is what I love wrestling. 
I wanted to um, acknowledge another company that actually does something called wrestling, and that's Dragon Gate USA. They're actually doing a pay-per-view tomorrow, uh, starting at 8 o'clock, and you'll be able to watch it for one ninety nine. Wow. Yep, you'll go um the live eye pay per view, you'll be able to pick it up for a dollar ninety nine. It's um it's gonna start at eight o'clock. Actually, uh let me let me eight o'clock Eastern, dollar ninety nine. Dollar ninety nine is gonna be for the live showing of the pay per view. Then if you watch it on demand it's gonna be fourteen ninety nine. So um you'll be able to watch it tomorrow. So you got to go to WWNlive.com to check it out, to see Dragon Gate USA. Bell time is at 8. They got some great matches on there. Uh, Loki's going to be wrestling in that ma- in a match. He's going to be taking on uh, Pac. You also got Sabu. He's going to be wrestling against uh, Pinky Sanchez. Sammy Callahan's going to be wrestling. Uh, Masato Yoshino couple of different guys there for a dollar ninety nine it's a no brainer you should check it out yeah so wwnlive.com for Dragon Gate dollar ninety nine tomorrow in some Ring of Honor news they got two iPay-per-view events this weekend first off March 30th uh, Ring of Honor's champion Davey Richards will be taking on Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong also on that card El Generico is taking on Eric Steen uh, the tag team champs, the Briscoe brothers, are taking on TMDK. Lance Storm makes his return to Ring of Honor to take on Mike Bennett. The Young Bucks are going to take on the All Night Express in a street fight. TV champ Jay Lethal will be taking on Kyle O'Reilly. Benjamin and Haas will be facing Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander. That's March 30th on iPay-Per-View. March 31st is their other event. They got the Ring of Honor Blind Destiny Challenge where there will be three matches, but only one of them is going to be for the Ring of Honor title. Eddie Edwards is going to take on Kevin Steen. Roderick Strong is taking on Jay Lethal. Davey Richards is taking on Michael Elgin. The tag team champions, the Briscoes, are going to be taking on Haas and Benjamin. The Young Bucks and All Night Express are going to... uh, Excuse me, I fucked that up. The Briscoes are going to take on Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin and the Young Bucks and the All Night Express in a Tornado Tag Team match. Kyle O'Reilly's taking on Adam Cole, and TJ Perkins is going to take on Fire Ant. So that's going to be happening March 31st, Ring of Honor iPay-Per-View. Make sure to check that out. Definitely excited for the shit on Friday, just because you'll see the return of Lance Storm. Lance Storm is fucking awesome, so if he can be serious for a minute, we can watch that on Ring of Honor. Now, here's here's another guy who, who I'm sure will be destined for, for being buried, Evan Bourne. Evan Bourne put out a tweet Monday coming fresh off his drug suspension that he injured himself. He broke his foot in four places and dislocated it in five. So his foot is severely mangled. Way to go. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised to see him on one of our few buried columns. It really sucks because I thought he was going to come back, put the pot behind him and try and get into some side. You know, I really swore he was going to be part of Team Teddy going into WrestleMania, but clearly not. You are now on Team Gimp. <laughs> well, way better than Team Carl. That's right. John Cena did an interview earlier this week with the London Free Press, and they were asking him about turning heel. 
He went on to comment about it as follows. I'm not a bad guy. I generate so much hatred just because of the way I act. I look at at Tim Tebow as a good example. People couldn't stop saying his name. He's such a stand-up guy. People don't believe it because it's almost too good to be true, and he generates that hatred. I have fun with this business. I love every second of it. I love to be right there in the middle of the hunt. At the end of the day, it's not my job to force people in any direction. I just go out there and see what happens. You can analyze character development all day, but with the current state of affairs, there's no need or rationale for me to deviate from what I'm doing. So there you have it. No John Cena heel turn in the foreseeable future. Does it even matter at this point if he turns heel? Not really. Seriously, it's like, I hate you. I'm a bad guy. Fuck the fans. You still suck, Cena. You know, like... Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. People will still say he's a piece of shit. You know, it's like, doesn't even matter. So I can understand what his rationale. Now... Here, here's the, here's the news I was I was talking about. Of course, Stone, um, John Cena and The Rock, we said, can end in shenanigans. Now, a writer for the Associated Press, Dan Gelston, interviewed The Rock earlier this week and asked him about a possible WrestleMania 29 match with Brock Lesnar. The Rock only responded with, "I'm not saying a thing. I didn't say anything." What do you think? You think a Brock Lesnar you think a Brock Lesnar run in at WrestleMania to kill them both dead would be the way to go? <laughs> Didn't he just nearly die in his last MMA fight? Yes, but wrestling like, is not real. Run in there, give the Rock an F five and walk out. That's the only way he's gonna get out with not hurting himself. But th- but think about it. If Brock Lesnar comes back and gives both guys the F five, sets himself up with a cushy WrestleMania match against the Rock. Would that be a bad thing, though? Well, if they do that, he I'm assuming he's not going to be wrestling him in time between. Or very infrequently. Yeah, at all. But, um, wow. Because the worst part was that Rock didn't say no, which is a yeah. problem. I, I, I actually think about it, I can actually see that happening. Brock Lesnar is still a pretty big name, now, especially now he's just an MMA fighter. And WrestleMania is basically, we're going to bring in as many stars as we can as possible to make more money than we need. But while Brock Lesnar, uh, well, yeah, I, I actually wouldn't have a problem with it. Well, supposedly Brock Lesnar's been approached about performing at WrestleMania 29, and he's said that he's interested in a match with either Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Undertaker. Well, I don't think he's going to die, so I think he figures out a Yeah, but you know... Yeah, but Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker had a little face-to-face during a UFC event um, a year or two back. So, you know, there's kind of a little history there that they could kind of build off of, kind of like you were saying with Kane and Randy Orton. So, you know, there's a history there that they can just dig up and be like, look... Look, they. That's going to be another week promo that they're going to have to use to work off of. Yeah, it's like, it's like you have no intestines, you have no hair, you have no intestines, you have no hair. It's going to be fucking four weeks of that shit. Ugh, I'd rather watch paint dry. <laughs> Brock Lesnar was bullshit on the mic. 
when he was in the WWE. If he comes in there like he was when he was in the UFC, then maybe. But you're going to have to bleep a lot of shit. I think I think honestly, Brock Lesnar interfering in the Cena Rock match would be the best way to do it because people would just lose their minds. Yeah, well, you know. Brock Lesnar, everybody's saying, oh, yeah, you know, he wants a match with Steve Austin or The Undertaker. Well, the next bit of news I wanted to share with you, which if you've been following CM Punk or Stone Cold Steve Austin on Twitter, you may have seen, Punk tweeted to Stone Cold, 29, son. Stone Cold Steve Austin responded with, just worry about 28. If the stars all line up, I always have a big can of whoop-ass ready to take to New York City. Hashtag, roger that. Yeah, sure. It's not, that's not gonna happen. What match? What Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back? Really? Who told you? I don't know. Twitter did. Hashtag holy shit. Hashtag wow. Hashtag you fuckers suck. Hashtag even Stevie Wonder could see it. It's ridiculous. And the last, the last. Go ahead. What was that? Next bit of movie news. Randy Orton is going to star officially in the Marine Homefront. Production begins June 11th in Vancouver, British Columbia. So I am sure that someone will get Randy Orton in a car accident. And he will be written off television. Because he will be playing a Marine trying to rescue his kidnapped daughter. Much like John Cena has to rescue his kidnapped girlfriend, his kidnapped sister, his kidnapped baby mama, his kidnapped transvestite brother-in-law. So there you have it. And of course, John Cena was in the first Marine, and Ted DiBiase was in the second. Orton was originally supposed to be in the second, but he got injured wiping his ass, so they gave it to Ted DiBiase. So Marine Homefront will be released straight to DVD. I would also like to release it straight into a dumpster. Because Randy Orton has zero charisma. They kidnapped my daughter. As he stares at the camera and blinks his eyes super fucking small that you can't even see them. It's like, yo, is that an eye socket or a fucking hole? Like, what is that? I cannot wait to not see this movie. Dude, imagine this dialogue. They've kidnapped my daughter. I hear voices in my head. What? They talk to me, they understand. What? <laughs> like, like, get out of here. Ugh. And of course, in news that should surprise no one, WWE has announced that Hornswoggle will play the lead in Leprechaun Origins. <laughs> Why would I do Hornswoggle? I don't, I don't get it. Hashtag Swoggle Secret. Is, uh, that I've been hit. Really? This is what Hornswoggle wrote on Twitter. Hashtag Swoggle Secret that I've been hinting at all week on Twitter. I will be starring in Leprechaun Origins by WWE Studios. WWE will be teaming up with Lionsgate. And, of course, they're rebooting the franchise. Warwick Davis, who was the original Leprechaun, was completely against the idea. But, um... I don't know why. I don't know, because he has a younger better-looking leprechaun playing him. I don't know. Maybe it was that. 
That's just, uh, man. I love WWE films. They're they're uh, they're amazing. It's like Hornswoggle wears like fucking toddler sneakers. Like, how the fuck can I take you seriously as a homicidal leprechaun? How? You wear toddler sneakers and fucking pro keds and clothes from Young World. How am I taking you seriously? How? I can buy a jumper for you in the kids section at Target that you will wear out to the ring. How am I taking you seriously? How are you going to kill anyone? What pot of gold do you have? How do you sit on the toilet? Do you need a booster seat? Do you stand on phone books to brush your teeth? Do you fit in an overhead luggage bin? Who do you travel with? How do you get a hand job? Do you fuck divas? These are all the stories we want to know. Seriously. Wow. It's like, we need to get something for Hornswoggle. I don't have any ideas, Vince. I don't know, Hunter. What do you think? I say we do Leprechaun. He's small. He can put on a pointy hat and some curled shoes. Sounds like a great idea. It's like, come on, man. Get out of here with that shit. Why don't you just make him a fucking snork? Hornswoggle and the snorks. How about that? Make him a smurf. I got an idea. Hello, Peter Jackson? Do you need another hobbit? We got one for you. That sounds at least more believable. Hornswoggle in Lord of the Rings. But seriously, it's like, yo, you bought a franchise to put this little motherfucker in. Why not just make him a hobbit? Why not do another horror movie with Kane? Can we get another See No Evil with Kane? At least that shit didn't suck. Sadly, that's not the case. I'm with you. <laughs> well, that actually wraps up the wrestling segment. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, just the usual stuff. Plug in my multiple reviews on MyKateRadio.com. Uh, the Barry article is Blade Baker and Yes, make sure to follow Blade on Twitter at John U. Butler. Yes, he is my nephew. Yes, he is slightly better looking than me. Yes, he is also slightly taller. But but it's okay. It's okay. Blade Blade will inherit the show. Yes, make sure to follow at Andrew Coolcat on Twitter, aka. Quark. Make sure you do that or Andrew will come and find you and possibly, <laughs> possibly kidnap your daughters. Possibly. And make Randy Orton finer. There you go. The Captain Quark, he's coming for you. <laughs> and you know the rest. Alright, man. Thanks for helping me with the wrestling segment. Alright? Yeah. Alright. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Blade. Follow him at John U. Butler on Twitter. You can also communicate with him via our Facebook fan page. Comment on his articles. He wrote Mass Effect 3's review, which um, people have been very vocal about, including Quark. Also make sure to uh, read their Buried column, also on My Take Radio, every week. 
All right, we're not going to take another commercial break because we're kind of on a roll. And this Pepsi has kicked in, so I feel a little wired, and I'm ready to rock and roll. So, I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's talk some video games. I hate that fucking dog. <laughs> Let's open things up with Rape Stop, Lame Stop, Game Stop. Yes, they actually decided to put out a press release that they have had an all-time high with regards to revenue last year. Revenue numbers reached $9.4 billion. Global sales were $9.5 billion, which is a, a, a quote-unquote modest increase from 2010. Digital sales grew 57%. Well, gee, of course your sales are going to grow when I walk in and sell you a game, you offer me 5 bucks for it, and then you sell it for $49.99. Sure, sure, that's that's really going to help. Hey, look, I bought this $300 Xbox, but times are hard and I need to feed my family. How much can I get for it cash? $5. Hey, I have this PS3. My house burned down. I need to buy clothes. Can you buy it back for me? Sure, 10 bucks. Of course you're going to make that, 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 that revenue, you fucking pieces of shit. Of course you are. Because you fuck gamers in the ass. That's what you do. That's why your revenue is so high. Fuck you. Moving on. Let's talk about Epic Mickey 2, which I talked a little bit about last week. Uh, coming out for the PS3, Xbox 360, and the Wii. The PS3 version of the game will have PlayStation Move support which will also coincide with the Wii controls, which we all know and love from previous games, but there will not be any Kinect support, according to Joystick. You can also expect a 3DS version of Epic Mickey called The Power of Illusion. It's being made by Dream Rift, and Fall 2012 is the expected release window for all these Epic Mickey games. So be on the lookout for that. Rovio has announced that Angry Birds has sold well has been downloaded 10 million times in less than 3 days. Fucking historic for a game where you fling birds at pigs in space. That's pretty fucking big. And I tell you that if they that if most of those copies were sold ad-free versions of the game, Rovio made a lot of fucking money. That's all I got to say. Xbox 360 launched 3 entertainment apps this week. The Xfinity TV On Demand is for Comcast users. That'll include access to the Stream Picks library. HBO Go is available as well, so you can catch up on Game of Thrones. And lastly, if you're a baseball fan, MLB.TV is on there as well, and that'll let you watch two games at once on split screen. So there you have it. MLB TV, HBO Go, and Xfinity TV are on Xbox 360, little by little, replacing cable one channel at a time. Tech Radar dropped some news regarding the next Xbox 360 that will be released. It is going to be a stripped-down version of the 360, complete with arcade-style games and Kinect apps. This device is meant to compete with Apple TV and will launch in late 2013. In the meantime, though, a true successor for the 360 will not launch until at least 2014 or 2015 at best. So there you have it. And, of course, a lot of people have been talking about the the rumored PS3, up, well, the new PlayStation system called Orbis, 
and how games are going to be tied to disc. It won't play used titles. It won't be backwards compatible with the PS3, blah, blah, blah. People, don't complain until you get the full scoop. I'm not going to really acknowledge it until I get better things than rumors. I sincerely doubt that they hate the used industry that much that they would really cut the throat of that industry, but things happen. Simple as that. But I will tell you guys this. According to the LA Times, the 360 is now more video and music than gaming. According to Microsoft's Yusuf Mehdi, half of the time people are on live, they are watching videos and listening to music. And sadly, I can relate to that because sometimes I do turn on my Xbox just to watch the occasional Netflix movie or watch Crackle or maybe turn on Vivo and stream some music videos while I'm cleaning or doing show prep. So, um, you know, it is what it is. On average, a household spends 84 hours on live using apps and playing games each month. So there you have it. The Xbox is slowly evolving from just being a game system and becoming a lifestyle system. Last but not least, I'm sure Blade will be super pumped for this. It is a Mass Effect multiplayer event happening starting at 5 o'clock Pacific tomorrow to 5 a.m. Pacific Monday. Players will need to promote 150,000 characters worldwide to the single-player campaign for the Victory Pack to be unlocked. Individually, players need to promote two characters for a commendation pack. In order to assist with this task, there will be a 10% extra XP this weekend. You hear that, John Blade? Get your Mass Effect ready starting Friday, 5 a.m. Pacific through Monday. And you'll be able to unlock the Victory Pack, the Commendation Pack, plus you'll get 10 extra XP. So make sure you do your homework in regards to that. All right, let's get right into the movie news, shall we? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. He's black. Go on. Does he look like a bitch? What? Figured I'd take it back with some Kill Bill first. So, first off, let's talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and how vocal the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan community has been about Michael Va- Michael Bay's bastardization of their beloved Heroes in a Half Shell. Well, get ready to be upset just a little bit more. Bleeding Cool reports that Michael Bay's upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie will simply be called... Ninja Turtles. No longer will it be Teenage. No longer will it be Mutant. It will just be Ninja Turtles. They do this primarily out of inspiration from Disney's John Carter title, which removed Princess or Mars from the title to only call it John Carter. Simple as that. But Michael Bay is still trying to defend himself. He did release a statement regarding that as follows. Paramount Marketing changed the name. They made the title simple. The characters you all remember are exactly the same. And yes, they still act like teenagers. Everything you remember, why you like the characters, is in this movie. The script is being developed by two very smart writers 
with one of them, with one of the original creators of the Ninja Turtles. They care very much about making this film for the fans. Everyone on this team cares about the fans. Just give them a chance. Jonathan, the director, is a major fan of the whole franchise. He's not going to let you down. This coming from the guy that made Black Autobots. That's all I got to say. It's, it's very difficult to get behind Michael Bay in support of this when I think back to Black Autobots. When I think back to Devastator's ball sack. When I think back to those two things, it's very difficult for me to support Michael Bay's Ninja Turtle vision. But it is what it is. One of the endearing terms that I've heard for the black Autobots has been Nigbots. Because I see Strider put Brabots in there. But I've heard Nigbots, I've heard some other colorful names for it said by other people I know. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, the auto, the hip-hop Autobots, or whatever you want to refer to them, definitely were a low point. They are the Jar Jar Binks of the Transformers universe. Yes, I said it. The Jar Jar Binks of the Transformers universe are those two assholes. Oh my god! I fought... Uh, y- you shot me! Ugh, shut up. Shut up. Those were the two worst characters ever. Ever. But let's talk box office totals. If any of you thought for one solitary second that The Hunger Games was not going to rape and pillage the box office, then you don't listen to the show as much as you should. The Hunger Games took in $155 million opening weekend, crushing the competition. Crushing. It is now basically the third biggest opening weekend of all time, being behind Harry Potter's Deathly Hallows Part 2 and The Dark Knight. It is far and away the biggest non-sequel opening ever. It's ridiculous. Number 2, 21 Jump Street. $21.3 million. It's made $71 million total. The Lorax was number three. John Carter was number four. $62.3 million. Nowhere near breaking their $250 million budget. At this point, it is sadly considered dud status. Act of Valor was number five. Project X was six. A Thousand Words was seven. With Eddie Murphy playing Eddie Murphy. October Baby was number 8, Safe House was number 9, Journey to the Mysterious Island was number 10. Safe House made in total $122.6 million. It had an $85 million budget. There you have it, folks. Slick, unfortunately, I do not have John Carter's worldwide numbers, but I will definitely research them so we can discuss them next week. A couple of weeks back, I talked about Terra Nova being given the boot from Fox, and there were rumors that Netflix was going to pick it up. Seems Netflix decided to pass on Terra Nova, according to TV Guide. After two weeks of negotiations, they couldn't come to an agreement with Fox, so they gave the show the fucking boot. There you go. In some Akira movie news, Toby Kebbell, who is in uh, Wrath of the Titans this week, gave a little bit of insight into the Akira film. 
He was rumored to play Tetsuo. Garrett Hedlund would have played Kaneda. As it turns out, the studio was planning on making Tetsuo and Kaneda and Kaneda Kaneda brothers. So there you go. Tetsuo and Kaneda were going to be brothers in the super whitewashed Akira film, which I am glad is not being made. Glad. Glad it's not happening. In some casting news, Chloe Moretz will be playing Carrie in the upcoming remake of the Carrie film. So, let me see. We've had the Rage Carrie 2. We've had regular Carrie. Now we're going to have brand new 2012 Carrie, which, in an era of bullying going on in our country, is going to fit right the fuck in. Yes! Let's do a movie about a girl who gets bullied and goes fucking crazy and burns down her school, even though we're dealing with bullying all over the fucking place. Yeah, let's just do that. That's great. Hollywood, you guys are awesome. Seriously. That's, that's, that's a great fucking idea. Let's do a movie about a girl with telekinetic powers who gets bullied and decides to go to her prom and burn down her fucking auditorium with all the students inside. Yes, Hollywood. Yes. And I've just been informed that Slick is on the line. Let's see what Slick has to add to the discussion. Ah, I see he has some John Carter on the menu. Slick, what do you got, brother? Um, I looked it up. It looks like worldwide it's made about $235 million, almost 236 It's still... Damn, that's... It still puts them at a loss only because, and this is this is the crazy part. According to what they were saying, their domestic grosses are 62.3 domestically. And allegedly, they... They what? There you go. So looking looking at those numbers, the problem is, and, and this is something that and and you may agree, you may disagree. I really felt that Disney really didn't promote it right. I felt that the ad campaign that they used for that movie was complete shit. You didn't get any idea about what that movie was about till like the third TV commercial came out like three days before the movie was in theaters. Nobody had a fucking clue about what they were going to see. Yeah, I saw posters everywhere and it's like, it's a poster either of John Carter's standing there or a freaking full-on alien. And it's like, okay. Yep. What the hell is the movie about? That's the worst part. I think that the failure on John Carter's part was solely based on the fact that they didn't do a good campaign. And, of course, um, word of mouth didn't help either. Some people really felt that it was more style than substance. I mean, you spoke very highly of the film. I want to see it personally. But it, it's 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 so weird when you bring such a different franchise to, to into the box office because you run the risk of it tanking. I mean, The Hunger Games is doing well. I really don't know why because it's untested, but it's based on a book, just like John Carter was. You know what I mean? Yeah, so Hunger Games is based on a book that everyone's been reading recently. Right, which which is what's helped it. But what I'm saying is just based on the fact that John Carter wasn't built up at all. Even though books have existed, it's not like Disney said, oh, pick up the John Carter books before the movie comes out. 
You see what I'm saying? Like the Hunger Games, they were like, oh yeah, the movie's coming out, but read the books. I didn't know about the John Carter books till you broke it down to me. And then I started digging a little deeper. I'm like, oh shit, there's a lot of, a couple of books about this. Disney did nothing, nothing to, to get their audience, especially young audience, to embrace the character from the from its literary source material. They did nothing. And they, I mean it wasn't hard. It was gonna be like, you know, this is the the series of books that inspired a lot of your favorite freaking sci fi or fantasy movies today. This is the same guy who wrote Tarzan. I'm like Here's the fucking book, read it. Something. Yep. All you needed was from the mind of Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know? Something. You had to build it with something. But they didn't. They created these posters. It's exactly what I said earlier about Michael Bay. You're going to just put that it says Ninja Turtles. And if you don't put a picture of a fucking turtle with two katanas and a bandana on, it's not going to work, you know? They're just going to be like, okay... I really don't understand. Yeah, but but that's a separate that's a separate issue. But you know, it's it's what I was saying with John Carter. They're really they're just calling it John Carter. Sure, you don't want to tie it to the Princess of Mars or whatever. Sure, okay, fine. But you didn't let anybody know that it was a fucking book. You didn't even do that, especially from Disney. I'm shocked. Because they're very pro-family, pro-education, and they didn't even bother to say, hey, you know, this this movie's based on a book. You should check it out. Or, here are the books. Or, let's do, um, you know, anim- let's do an animated setup for it. Nothing. It was just like, yeah, here's this movie about this guy who gets superpowers when he goes to Mars. He fights aliens. Thanks. Roll credits. It's 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 really sad only because I expected more from Disney. How the fuck did the did 21 Jump Street get promoted better than John Carter? Exactly, but they also made sure to still acknowledge that it was based off of something cuz they made sure in the credit to say, in the cre- in the trailer to say, you know, two young cops going back to high school. You know like you knew in those three seconds, what was coming? In John Carter, you don't even know what the fuck happens. He just magically is leaping through the air, whooping alien ass. You know? I don't know, man. The odds of it, uh, the odds of a second film, unless they, 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 maybe if they get a new director and they try to promote it better, I understand that they're trying to get that Pirates of the Caribbean audience, because they really are. But if they don't market it correctly, they're going to have themselves a fucking paperweight. The only way I see them making back this money now is in Blu-ray releases. Because you know a lot of these movies, they get a second wind when they get home release. So we'll see what the deal is. Anything else you want to add, my friend? All right, homie. Thanks. Peace. You know, Slick Slick brought up a lot of valid points, 
And and it really, regardless of how you feel about John Carter in terms of source material, I still stand by the fact that Disney could have done a better job promoting it. It really is fucked up. Disney dropped the ball. They had so many great opportunities. When Tarzan the Animated Film came out, there was a huge campaign push behind it to make it relevant. Honestly, when I saw that Tarzan was getting the animated treatment, I really thought it was going to be complete shit. Only because you really couldn't replicate some of the awesomeness from the old Tarzan shows and the old Tarzan movies in animated form and make it still relevant to the source material. But they did a a decent job. (sighs) It's a sad state of affairs, folks. Like I said, we got Carrie fucking getting a remake... We got Tetsuo and Kaneda being brothers in fucking Akira. Ah, but you know what? Let's let's move on. Because we don't got that much left. Justin Lin, known for wor- doing the Fast Five, will be working with Kamala Films to direct an ada- uh, a new adaptation of the 1970s manga Lone Wolf and Cub. For those of you that don't know, Lone Wolf and Cub is a fantastic series of films as well. But, um... No, Justin Lin, not Jeremy Lin, John. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Um, yeah, Lone Wolf and Cub is getting the big screen treatment. I'm actually really looking forward to this, only because if you've seen the original Lone Wolf and Cub films, and you've seen uh, Shogun Assassin, you'll know that it's, it's, it's serious fucking business. But for those not aware of this series, let me give you a, a, little, a little quick history lesson. The story set in in the Edo period and follows Ogami Ito. He's an elite executioner for the Shogun. Now, here's where the story gets a little interesting. In an attempt to take his position, the rival Yagyu clan falsely accuses Ito of a crime and murders his wife. Disgraced, Ito is forced to wander Japan with his three-year-old son, Daigoro, as an assassin for hire, earning earning the title Lone Wolf and Cub. Ultimately, Ego and Daigoro seek revenge on the Yagyu clan. As of right now, David and Janet Peoples, known for Blade Runner and 12 Monkeys, are writing the screenplay. David Webb Peoples also is involved. He wrote Unforgiven. I mean, um, excuse me. Uh, David and Janet Peoples, who did work together on Blade Runner and 12 Monkeys. David Peoples, who also worked on Unforgiven. I, I really have a huge huge appreciation for this series I really enjoyed the old ones if you can find them via Netflix or even I believe Lone Wolf and Cub came out recently on Blu-ray maybe we will reserve that for a minority film report because that movie is uh, it's ridiculous it really is so seeing it get the big screen treatment hopefully they do it in a similar style as Ninja Assassin I think doing it Ninja Assassin style would benefit Lone Wolf and Cub but We'll see what happens. Ladies and gents, here is your What the Fuck movie news for this week. Brad Dourif, who you may know as the voice of Charles Lee Ray, a.k.a. Chucky, will be doing new Child's Play and also a Child's Play remake. There you have it. You got a spinoff, which is going to involve Chucky's family called Revenge of Chucky. And then you have the remake of Child's Play. So, there you have it. 
both remake and a sequel. More Chucky, for, for more Chucky everywhere. Which at this point, the film has just been ruined beyond repair. I'd rather at least a remake versus another shitty sequel. But we all know that's going straight to straight to DVD. So don't even sweat it. In some small screen news, the Cartoon Network has announced a new CGI-style Batman series titled Beware of the Batman, which will, which will be premiering later this year. You're going to get a couple of your regular stable of Batman heroes and villains, but you're also going to get um, some characters you've never seen before. The way that they're doing this story now is that Batman will be assisted by ex-secret agent Alfred, and lethal swordstress katana he will be taking on villains like anarchy professor pig mr toad and magpie so there you go you're getting a cgi batman and it's going to be slightly different uh glenn murakami from batman beyond and mitch watson from scooby-doo mystery incorporated will act as producers for this series there you have it more batman folks but considering that you know, The Dark Knight Rises is coming out soon. I've I've learned that as soon as a new superhero film is coming out, you're going to get a new cartoon with it as well. Simple as that. Last but not least, Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, back on the silver screen. Will Ferrell made a special appearance on Conan to make the announcement in character, played a little jazz flute. Adam McKay will be returning for the sequel, so there you have it. Anchorman is happening. Oh, I almost let these last two bits of news slide slide out from under my fingertips. Clive Barker is going to bring the movie Nightbreed to television screens as a television series. Barker told Revelations about this, that it will probably be airing on a cable network. Nightbreed is actually one of my favorite movies. I've read the books as well, and I really enjoyed the Nightbreed film. A lot of people felt it was very hokey. I personally have... I think I still have the VHS for Nightbreed in my garage. That's how much I like the movie. So seeing it get the television treatment is is something I'm very interested in seeing. But again, I agree it needs to be in cable. Uh, this film came out in 1990. You can probably find it on Netflix. Definitely check it out. It's, it's a very underappreciated film. If you're a fan of films like Hellraiser, um, Nightbreed is a definite addition to that particular stable of films only because it was so unique and so different definitely check it out and last but not least and this this is very depressing usually when stuff like this happens i get particularly upset the last time i discussed this was in regards to thor um when thor came out a lot of people were very vocal about idris elba playing Heimdall because he was black. Some of the comments I read on a lot of message boards and a couple of websites I frequent were beyond racially insensitive. Beyond. Um, I want to talk about this. I'm, I'm just... DK asked about Lone Wolf and Cub. Definitely recommend picking it up. It is awesome. I believe it is out on Blu-ray. So look for that. Going back to that, it seems that African-Americans playing some of your favorite roles in certain films continues to be not accepted because people can't get past their racism. Simple as that. And the reason I'm talking about it is because this bit of news came out this week, and I found it particularly depressing. 
because people really just are complete pieces of shit. Let me let me explain. Actress Amandala Stenberg, I probably fucked up her name. I think it's yeah. Or Amandla, Amandla Stenberg, excuse me, who played Rue in the Hunger Games, has responded to complaints from fans who think the fact that she and co-star Dale Okenyi are black ruined the film. The characters, and she went, this was her commentary. The characters are described as having dark brown skin in the book. One fan complained on Twitter, why does Rue have to be black? Not gonna lie, kinda ruined the movie. Another person tweeted, Why did the producer make all the good characters black? Several others used the N-word about the casting. Okanee had no comment. Stenberg did say the following, As a fan of the books, I feel fortunate to be part of the Hunger Games family. It's an amazing experience. I am proud of the film and my performance. I want to thank all of my fans and the entire Hunger Games community for their support and loyalty. But... In the book, they're described as having dark brown skin. Who gives a shit if they're fucking black? You racist pieces of shit. And you know what it is? It's not even a white thing. Because I know plenty of Hispanics that are racist. Which is weird, because we're fucking mud people. So we shouldn't be racist about shit. We were dragged out of some island by Christopher Columbus, or whatever fucking quote-unquote explorer decided to come to where to, to our side of the world to make us fucking slaves so for any hispanic person to be fucking racist is an oxymoron because you you fucking racist assholes are just as black as the rest of us a stand-up comedian put a joke out a, a couple of years back that was great when the cops pull you over and they say niggas get out of the car and all the black people get out and you stay in the car because you're Hispanic, you're going to get, you too, Beaner, get out of the car. Simple as that. Anybody that hides behind the keyboard with racial fucking views like that should be beaten with a, with, with a fucking bag full of dildos. Because it's ridiculous. Who gives a shit if the characters are black? Who? And like I said, it's not just white people that say some of this shit. Black people are just as racist. Hispanic people are just as racist. Asian people are racist. I know people, when I worked in Flushing, which is a predominantly Asian neighborhood, which I'm sure if Blaine was listening, he would capture that. Flushing is a predominantly Asian neighborhood. And there are plenty of Chinese people that don't like Koreans. There are plenty of Koreans that don't like the Japanese. I can go on and on and on. And to sit here and hide behind your keyboard and say some of this racial shit is is embarrassing it is embarrassing we are in 2012 our president is fucking black he is black he's not midnight black he's not marked absent from night school black he's he's caramel complexion but you know what he still looked at as black so you know what if the characters in the hunger game have dark brown skin, and you have a problem with them not being dark brown, you're an idiot. Simple as that. You are a fucking idiot. Everybody hates everybody. Thank you, Strider. Everybody hates everybody, but you know what? You know, 
Amanda Stenberg is a young girl. She is young. She is young. Do you know what that must feel like to have somebody say, why does Rue have to be black? It kind of ruined the movie for me. That girl is a fucking professional for conducting herself the way she did with that commentary. Because if I were a minority in a film and somebody said that I ruined it because I wasn't the color that they wanted me to be, I would do like Jay and Silent Bob and find out where they live, go to their doorstep, and administer a beating of epic fucking proportions. That is, we as a society are complete pieces of shit. We really are. We hide behind piousness, politics, religious beliefs, all because we can't admit to the fact that we are pieces of shit. I am just as much a piece of shit as Slick, as John, as Quark, as most of our audience. We are all pieces of shit in the grand scheme of things. Sure, we don't outrightly do scummy things, but we do scummy things. See, Slick said it best. I'm a well-educated piece of shit. That's right. That's what it is. We should accept our mediocrity. We should embrace it. We are all looked at poorly by somebody else. It's funny because a guy who I interviewed, Andrew Zarian, he runs uh, the guys from Queens Network. He put up a, a post in his forums talking about what kind of negative people, what kind of negative things people have said to you when you say you do a podcast. And it boils down to the, some of the things I read were really some cruel shit. And it boils back to what I'm saying. What the fuck have you done lately? What have you done lately? This young girl is doing this film based on a successful series. What do you do? You sit in your parents' basement. You sit in your fucking house with your fucking $9 a day job. And you complain that your character should have dark brown skin. It's, it's embarrassing. It is truly embarrassing that in 2012 we can't accept a Hispanic Spider-Man. We can't accept that a Norse god can be black. We can't accept the possibility that Jesus may be brown. We can't accept the possibility that, I don't know, maybe we can speak more than one language in America. You know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. People really should get past the fact that they're above anybody else. Because we bleed the same, we breathe the same, we shit the same. So unless you wipe your ass with seashells or you have tentacles instead of feet, you are no different than me. We rot the same when we die, we're born the same way. It's, it's, an, it's an embarrassment to read that. It really is. And the fact that people hide behind Twitter and anonymously say, you know, why, why are there niggers in the Hunger Games? Why? Why are you on the internet when you're an uneducated piece of shit? It's, it's really sad, man. It's really sad. Sometimes I really say that when the apocalypse happens, when it's all said and done, when, when a higher power cleans the slate, some people will be better off. Simple as that. Some people really need to get eliminated from this fucking planet for that reason. Because there should be no... Nobody should say that to 
to to this girl or this or, or this gentleman. You don't like that the characters aren't up to your specifications. Keep it to yourselves. But to go on Twitter, a public forum, and and, and say such hateful fucking things about these characters is is embarrassing. It really is. And you know what? I'm not here championing social activism. I'm not wearing. I'm not doing the show with a hoodie on in in support of Trayvon Martin. I'm not fucking retweeting Coney videos. I'm telling it like it is. We are racist pieces of shit. All of us. Some of us just wear it freely. The late Patrice O'Neill said it best. I'm pr- I, I, I proudly say that I'm racist was what Patrice O'Neill said because it lets people know I hate motherfuckers equally. Simple as that. And I respected him for that. Sometimes he'd take He'd take to the air on Opie and Anthony, and he'd say some shit, you know, about Hispanic people, white people, Asian people, black people. And you know what? You have to accept that humor because it is fact. We're fucking terrible. We're terrible. I come on air. I do this show with you guys for two, three hours. I talk shit. I say what I'm going to say. This isn't an act. It's It's not me reading a script. This is me all the time. Blade can attest to that. Slick can attest to that. My wife can attest to that. I am an equal opportunity offender. No one is safe. Black, white, crippled, mentally handicapped, purple, green, cats, dogs, pets. Everybody gets offended. I've said fucking... I've said Terry Schiavo jokes on this show. Which, I've only embraced that kind of humor because of comedians like Jim Norton and other comedians, but just the fact that I'm proud of being exactly what I am, uncensored and non-filtered. But to say that about these these people that are just doing their job is a real fucking pussy move. Yeah, I said it. That's a real pussy move. Simple as that. You know what, folks? That's it for this week. As sad as it is, We're going to wrap up My Take Radio episode 133 for Thursday, March 29th, 2012. If you have any questions, concerns, didn't like what I said, have a gripe, want to agree, want to disagree, hit up the feedback line 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. If you want an email, if you want an email, as another preferred method of communication, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can email me. Same thing, feedbacks, gripes, concerns. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, that is the email address. Social networks, we're on them. Follow us on Twitter at mytakeradio. Become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. Want to ask some boring, mundane Questions, look for us on Formspring, Formspring ME forward slash My Take Radio. We are also on Pinterest. You want to check out some of the random shit that I like? Clothes, comics, toys, games, pets, funny cat pictures. Look for My Take Radio on Pinterest as well. Add us to your circle on Google+. And if you want to listen to 96K episodes of My Take Radio with exclusive content, Make sure to pick up the MTR app for $1.99. It is cheaper than a cup of coffee. 
You can find it in the Amazon Android Marketplace. You can also find it on iTunes. Again, it is $1.99. If you want to be a cheap ass, you can still stream episodes of My Take Radio via Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, and uh, Miro as well. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up. I figured this week would be a great week to take us out with some OC Remix classics. Which one? Who knows? I'm Rich. This is MTR. I'm out. Peace. I think we are going to go out with... I figured, uh... You know what? Let's go with Super with uh, Street Fighter 2's The Mass Man, available at OCRemix.org.